So we're back. Um, how you been, man? I've been doing great. Uh, I started a new job and I've been running around and reading a lot, especially because I am a history teacher now. Oh, nice. Um, and you know what's interesting? Um, according to what they have the pl- uh, as planned for this school, the history period or historic period that I'm supposed to be talking about is the last 30 years. So it's hilarious because it's right after the Cold oh, War. Okay. It's pretty much yeah. all my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you have like real life experience. Pretty much, yeah. And, and it feels weird though. Like, and it's very interesting because I told my students that like back one of the, in the day. Yeah, and, and something um, I'm gonna try to do, I told them, is take them from 1991 to 2021. So oh, to yeah. leave them in a spot where they can just watch the news and see what's up, like what's next. <laughs> yeah. See, that's interesting because um, generally there's a convention that um, history, the study of history starts 20 years from the present. Yeah. So um, like anything before 2001 is now considered history. Um anything after that up up until now it's um very recent very recent a lot of stuff is still developing as we're seeing with the afghanistan war right of course all right yeah um do you want us to start talking about it right now or do you want to finish books um yeah well um tell me what um your new job is like um like like the is there do you have to focus on mostly uh, Mexican history or is it more like just global? Uh, and like that, that's the best thing about it though. Uh, it's mostly international. So nice. It, it's very interesting because, you know, like when someone says international history, they pretty much mean like the USA history of what the America, America has been doing for like the last 30 years, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. So I actually told oh, another thing to students and I'm like, I'm going to try to give you small spots of what's going on around the world during that specific period of time, mostly because we know that after the Cold War, like the, the panorama of how the world functions became very multipolar. So it's not fair and actually not adequate to just be like, okay, the States invaded Afghanistan, right? Or something like that. It's more precise to say, well, there was a lot of instability that was caused because of this and that and happened this and that. Then the states came in and make it worse and a bunch of things happened, right? So, um, yeah, like another thing that I told them is it's very interesting to see what's going on. on isn't it the Indo-Pacific Ocean right now uh, with China, Taiwan and yeah. all these other guys? Like that's another piece of history that is very interesting. People are really talking about... Um, the Afghan crisis right now because well it's what's on the news yeah but honestly like that thing with China has been going since before the pandemic started yeah I know so, um, so, yeah. there was a Hong Kong protest um before yep. the pandemic yeah um and of course you have to talk about um the most eventful things that happened in the 90s um the west coast hip-hop death row Oh yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely a very historical thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, West Coast versus East Coast war. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was a quite uh, earth-shaking war. Like, <laughs> I think after the Cold War, we went into the West Coast versus East Coast. The, Big I care nothing about the Cold War. Tell me about the gangster war. <laughs> Started oh, yeah. with NWA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then some, something I told also the students is that when you approach history, because they were saying like, I don't like history, right? And I have this student that she likes Taekwondo. <laughs> and she's really into it. Like, you know that Mexico is really big on Taekwondo or yeah. in the Olympic stuff. So she's really into it. And I, told, and I asked her, right? Like, have your teachers told you anything about how, where Taekwondo comes from and like a little bit of what? what are the origins of Taekwondo? And she's like, yeah, and I like that because so and so and so. And I'm like, guess what? That's history. What? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, anything that anybody tells you about the past is pretty much history of some kind, right? Yeah. Because we have to understand that there's different kinds of history because of there's different kinds of subject matter. So yeah, like um, 
that's pretty much what I told them. Some, some, some other ones were saying that they were more interested in pop culture references and music and things like that. Yeah. And I told them, well, all of that is different kinds of history, right? Like just what you mentioned right now, that's the history of hip hop, right? Like yeah. you're going to talk about the evolution, historically speaking and sociologically speaking of, of hip hop as a, as a genre of music without mentioning the gangster war. Um, which yeah. was not actually a gangster war. It was more like a gangster misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much. Um, but yeah, it's quite interesting actually. And I, I'm enjoying it a lot because if any of our listeners are recalling some of the um, complaints that I had about teaching in Mexico from back in the day, I have to say like this is cool right now. It's just looking too good to be true. An example of that, they, they say like, this is the period that you have to teach, teach it however you want. You can grade them however you want. You're free to do so. And I'm like, okay, okay, that sounds good. I was yeah. still suspicious, but I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> and then they gave me the keys to all the classrooms that I had to go in. So I, I get to open them. That's not something that commonly done here. They just like, here's the key. You can open them when you want. You can close yeah. them when you want. I was like, all right, I like that. Another thing is... Um, they gave me like all the tools that I needed to teach. I told them, do I have to bring my laptop over to like project stuff? And they say like, of course not. Um, we, if we are to ask you anything or to do anything, we are going to give you all the tools you need to do it. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Nice. Yeah. I was like, all right. All right. Like <laughs> I like and that kind of thinking. Right. Um, so it has been quite interesting so far. And they also told me that I have a 30% discount on any programs that I want to get into in the university because even though I'm teaching at like high school level, yeah, that high school belongs to a university, right? So they say if you oh, want to okay. go into in that yeah. university, we give you a thirty percent discount, and it's pretty cool though because it's a Catholic university. So I could go into humanistic programs or like philosophy or theology or something like that. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, I'm actually very excited about the job. Yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty dope. Yeah, so far though, who knows though? I'm still suspicious for all the experiences that I've had. I'm, yeah, I don't know. I just like to remain skeptic about, about everything. Um, another news though, and I think we definitely are going to have to talk about this. I got two books. Heroto, I don't know how to say it in English. Her, oh, Herodotus, yeah. Herodotus, oh. I got history five. So it's like the eighth book to the ninth book. Okay. And I got Plato's writings. I got the Apology of Socrates, Criton, Eutiphron, Ion, Lysis, Carminides, Hippias Menor, Hippias Major, Laches, Protagoras, and Gorgias. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, like all in one book. And it's very fancy. So uh, some nice. friend just gave, gave them to me because he really just arrived and he says, like, do you want these books? I was going to throw them away. And I'm like, why? It's like, I'm moving around and I knew you were going to like them. So I was like, oh, right. Of course I want them. So yeah, we could talk about Plato and some of his ideas. Um, now that I have a lot of ideas. Yeah, we'll probably get to Plato eventually. Um, since the last episode, there's been like so much stuff going on. Um, yeah. So I think <laughs> like probably the Afghanistan, the situation in Afghanistan, it's like... Yeah. What's I think all over the, what's, yeah, that's all over the place right now. They're um, the illest in the Middle East. If you're able to like get pictures, <laughs> if you're able to get pictures in podcasts, man, that picture that you showed me back in the day, that was just hilarious. Like how they how they pose for a picture. Oh yeah. It's um, almost like, yeah, like completely unnecessary. Mostly because they got guns, don't they? Like um that was when they took over the palace and they had their first conference. Yeah. But anyways, Afghanistan, um, for those of you that have been following most of the news that I've had going on with Afghanistan in general, right now we are at the point of what we could call a hasty withdrawal from the United States. And that has caused a lot of issues in Afghanistan, mostly because that withdrawal has caused a huge vacuum of power that was obviously quickly taken over by the Taliban. So have you found out anything about that that might be interesting that you could say, well, that's something that caught my attention? 
Well, um, obviously, um, the U.S. did not have the intention for the Taliban to take over right away. Um, they were under the impression that the um, government of Afghanistan would um, be able to maintain power for, for at least um, some months. They We had already gotten news about um, the Taliban uh, moving and gaining territory fairly quickly. Um, Biden was like, um, he was making statements saying that uh, the Afghani government would still um, like hold things. Yeah, yeah, it would hold and it wouldn't, um, we wouldn't see um, the same stuff, like, like the same images from Saigon um, back in the Vietnam. War and yeah, they're comparing it to that so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, because um, that was the last time we, well, not we, because I wasn't alive, but um, there was um, like a humiliating retreat for the U.S. And, you know, this is like Saigon times 10. Um Pretty much. Like, whereas in Saigon, we were like, there were U.S. officials, like, waiting to be rescued from the rooftops. Here, we're seeing Afghani people just, like, falling from planes because they're so desperate to get out. Yeah. It's just absolutely insane. Now, there's one thing that, because... I think that it will be very interesting to just look at each of the things that have been going on on steps and like pretty much voice our opinions on regards to that. Now, have you heard the reasons why they left Afghanistan or have you heard of any possible reasons that people are speculating on why will the United States leave Afghanistan so soon? Oh, well, they had to. Um... Uh, Trump, with the previous administration, he had signed a deal with the Taliban. Like it was a, it was a very controversial deal that he made, um, and it was basically an agreement uh, for the withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan. Um, All right. The idea was that they would withdraw their troops. I think um, by May of this year and then after biden won he extended um uh, that deal i think it was till um the fall of this year mm-hmm. um like it was already certain it was already known that there would be no u.s troops by the end of the year um but the intention of course was that the afghan afghani government would hold the place right like the presence yeah yeah, now, interesting thing here, though. One of the reasons why I want to talk about the withdrawal first, it's mostly because even, like, that's what the, the Americans will say, right? Like they, they will say, we withdrew because we made a pact and we thought that it was the best thing to do. But now, I don't know if you have heard this, but a lot of people are speculating on other reasons why the United States may have had the intention of leaving Taliban or leaving, not the Taliban, but like leaving Afghanistan yeah. um, so soon or what it seems so soon, because actually, like, like you said, right, it has been planned for, it has been planned ahead to say it like that. Yeah. But at the same time, it is something that it feels like they didn't plan it. Right. Like, and I, and I think that's one of the things that the American, um, the American government is facing right now. People are seeing it as something they almost improvise, right? And yeah. I think that's one of the, the biggest like challenges that they have right now to, to sort of flip this agenda or specify things or clarify things in between like the American news and uh, American people in general, mostly because it feels like you're running away from the place. Now, one of the reasons why I heard that people are speculating that the United States had to leave was because they're prepping for some other kinds of conflicts, right? Some people are pointing at the Indo-Pacific with China and stuff like that. And they're saying like, we have to leave because we have to bring these troops home. I don't know if you heard of Stephen Colbert recently. Um, he said something like this, why should we fight? Be oh, yeah, fighting? yeah. When we yeah, have, the, have the terrorists here. 
Exactly, stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, all right. So it's, it's quite interesting to see that they're bringing over the troops and a lot of people are getting very nervous about that because you know that more than any, any, any time before, the United States is in a very difficult situation right now. Well, not perhaps more than any time before because they had a civil war back in the day, but um, they're in a very difficult situation right now in which everybody's very tense. And, and now people are just speculating on why moving away from Afghanistan? Because something that I've seen a lot is that people have pointed out that the fact that you that we went for, to Afghanistan was to avoid the establishment of a terrorist yeah. government that could attack us from Afghanistan and could plan like terrorist attacks. And now a lot of people are saying like, now they can plan whatever terrorist attacks you want, they want because um, nobody's going to stop them, right? And, and uh, let us be honest, like we don't know how much of a reality will that be because that's, an, that's I think, the next thing that, that we should be talking about, right? After sort of speculating of why we're leaving, why are they leaving, and so hastily too, then it comes that idea of, all right, so they left already. Now, what's next for Afghanistan? How do you see yeah. the... the future over there well um for stars i don't buy any of those theories um like it makes sense to me that they had no other choice but to leave it was something that the u.s had been trying to do for like since obama and obama didn't do it he promised it like in his first term and he didn't do it um trump promised it he didn't do it he made the agreement with the Taliban, but he still didn't do it. Um, and Biden had to do it. Um, like if you look at the polls coming out, the war had no real support among the people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was something they had to do now. And of, and of course, again, like you have to remember, the assumption is that the Afghani government can hold it. Like they are relying on the government to do it. That expectation that they were that they had, like supposedly the purpose that they were there for for a while, um, was to train Afghani military, um, you know, so that they could maintain stability. Obviously, that didn't happen. So I think U.S. got caught with its pants down. Um, and that should, shouldn't be the case, you know, because you're making a really good point here. You're quoting actual facts, right? And I'm being a conspiracy theorist here. Um, <laughs> you're actually pointing out at the decisions that the presidents took, right? Hmm. But what I'm referring to is how the American public is seeing it. And it actually feels like they were caught with their pants down. Precisely what you said at the ending, right? Yeah. It all feels so hasty. Like, let's well, be honest. It's not like Biden said to all the army of the United States, leave Afghanistan. No, he's just picking up on the last remaining troops in Afghanistan. Yeah. Right. Like, I think there were, I think Trump left only like 2,500 troops. So it's not a lot, but yeah, um, there is that perception. And I think that's why a lot of people were comparing it to Saigon because famously the Vietnam war was, you know, the last major defeat for the U S and, now we're seeing something like it. Um, so the American people are going to feel like, and, I'll, you know, you hear, you keep hearing this all the time, like all like 20 years wasted for nothing because, um, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, um, you know, I said it was the, the U.S. was expecting the Afghani government to um, maintain its structure, um, but really it's the, the fall of, of the Americans because yeah, um, they were there for 20 years. Um, they should have known what position they were in. This suggests that either American intelligence was either, it's either incompetent or they were lying the whole time. And I think that's probably the most important thing here because like any um, conflict going forward, we should be like really skeptical of pretty much anything the intelligence apparatus has to say because they just failed like 20 years of um conflict trillions of dollars wasted hundreds of thousands of people dead they the result is nothing the taliban is now in the exact same position that they weren't back in 2001 probably even stronger 
Yeah, actually, they're doing a lot better now, right? Yeah. Because they, they're starting to have a lot of international recognition. Uh, but I don't want to get to that yet. Like, I want to go, like, on a small timeline so we All can right. talk about small things. So, um I think, I think you touch on the, the next point that I think is very relevant. Now, the Americans leave. It looks like they're leaving like quickly because something is coming after them almost. Um, it, it looks like that, but it's supposed to have been very plan- very well planned. And, and you know, honestly, it kind of was, but it doesn't look like it. And obviously, like all these people that are trying to get on planes makes it look even worse. Have you seen the pictures of people just oh, like yeah. throwing the kids to the other sides of walls? Yeah. I mean, like, take my kid. I'm like, that's absolutely crazy. Right. So, um, that is quite, uh, and I don't know if you heard, but uh, I think it was the British. They sent some some soldiers to the airport to sort of like put things yeah. in order. And the Americans have been throwing uh, tear gas to people to like disperse them, but they don't want to leave. Yeah, like it has become a very, very messed up situation. But now, another thing that, and it's the next point, another thing that I think that uh, builds upon this crisis is the fact that everything around the so-called Afghanistan apparatus of government completely collapsed, right? Yeah. Armed forces collapsed, the government collapsed, <laughs> the president bailed. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely insane. Like he was like, oh, nope. And then he just like, goodbye. He, like, like you said, right? Like he took money and he just disappeared. Um, yeah. And like the armed forces, and, and that's something that, that some of the people that I was listening to touch on, which was, how how did these soldiers that were trained to fight the, the the Taliban suddenly decided to you know what I'm not gonna fight them anymore even though I have been fighting them for years yeah right and well, that's very interesting well see the thing is uh I think what happened is that the Taliban were just waiting um they knew that as long as the U.S. was there, um, there was always a risk that if they escalated, then the U.S. has an excuse to bring more troops in. Most of the most of the heavy lifting was always done by the Americans. It, it wasn't the, uh, you know, these thousands of Afghanistan troops that were um, engaging the Taliban. Um, it was mostly the Americans and other NATO forces. Um, so a lot of these troops, they were completely untested. Yeah, like like you said, you see troops just like completely giving up um, their weapons and like as soon as the Taliban show up, like, and it's not like the Taliban is like showing up in tanks, you know, they're showing up in Toyota pickup trucks. Um, this also um, points to another problem with the U.S. intelligence. Like they were spending billions of dollars supposedly training these troops um and what's the result like they have nothing to show for it like obviously there's a lot more going on uh, there's a lot of corruption uh, you know and that's another thing the afghan the afghani army was very very corrupt uh, we have reports from u.s um, officials saying that you know they would give them fuel for their equipment and the Afghani army, they, they weren't using their equipment, but they were always running out of gas. So what happened was that they were selling the gas that they were getting from the U S they were selling them off to um, other groups and to Pakistan um, just so that they can get their cut of the money. Um, so yeah, it's just lots of incompetence, lots of corruption when everything falls down then we see like this is what gets revealed an incompetent weak uh, useless army now good thing that you mentioned the corruption though because something that has been seen as one of the reasons why the army collapsed so so easily was pretty much the corruption in the capital right and the corruption throughout the government and the army per se right a lot of the officials in the Afghan government that was implanted by the United States were very corrupt. And mostly yeah, oh. when it started to happen, they didn't, they didn't have any conviction to fight. Like there is a quote here that I have that says, um, it was mentioned by one of the Taliban, um, I think spokesperson or something. They said the Taliban fight for belief, 
for Yanath, Heaven, and Gazi, killing of infidels. The army and the police fight for money. And then it says, the, Tal the Taliban are willing to lose their head to fight. How can an army and police compete with that? It is quite interesting to, to hear that statement because back in the day, that's around 2018, we will say, well, uh, yeah, that's like just extremism talking. But at the same time, it has a lot of reason, right? Um, and we just saw the results of that. Um, they had no conviction to fight. They, they had no real reason to fight. I, I, I'm guessing because they were handed a nation, right? They did not build that nation. Uh, the Americans exactly, arrived, yeah. the Americans built everything, the Americans said how things are going to work, and they put people in power that thought will be competent. But at the very end of the day, when actually their lives was put at risk, they show no resolve, right? And, and, and it, a lot of people will say, why are they not defending themselves? Well, it's simply because they have no reason to defend themselves, right? Like they don't care about 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 the place, right? They, they care more about their like their own lives, and it's completely understandable, right? Like if they feel no security for the future in the in the nation project that they were defending, why should they risk at all, right? Exactly. Uh, including their families and their children. So that's I think another reason why you see so many people trying to leave Afghanistan because. People will point at the army and say, like, well, and the army and the government and say, well, that's the problem. No, no, no. Look at what's going on on the, um, on the airports. And you will understand a lot more about this crisis, which is people are leaving because people do not have a sense of, I have to stay because this is where I belong. They, they, they have a sense of, I need to get out of here because extremist people are coming over. And it's completely understandable. Again, it's, it's not something that I will criticize because, well, the situation is rather dire. But at the same time, it shows they have no sense of national uh, identity or pride that will make them a state and fight, right? Now, in the other hand, the Taliban have been fighting for more than 20 years. Like, yeah. They have been fighting for a lot of time to acquire that picture that we talked about in the beginning, right? Um, that's pretty much their goal, like make it there. And, and not only that, because I think that takes us to another point, which is the Taliban now. What do you think about them? Because I was actually surprised by a lot of things that they say recently. Yeah, well, they've been saying a lot, but um, even, even today, like we are already seeing... Um, that they are just going back to the regular old stuff. Like um, yeah, yeah. we we're seeing reports of like them going around looking for uh, people who previously worked with the U S forces, um, you know, for, to kill them. Um, in some cases, it looks like they are allowing women to meet outside and like, um, go to school and stuff. In other cases, yeah, we're seeing them. Um, there were, we're seeing videos where they separate the boys from the girls and the girls, they don't go to school. Um, you know, so it looks like um, what they were doing was mostly um, a PR stunt, trying to um, make look themselves, good. yeah, make themselves look good for, um, for the news and the media since, you know, everyone was looking at them um, at the moment now and, and that's very interesting because I, I don't know what you think about this but it shows a certain degree of awareness of how warfare has evolved right oh, yeah. and that is very worrisome very very worrisome because it's telling you that a rogue faction like the Taliban that their business has pretty much been violence for the last couple of years. And I would say couple because it's more than 20. Um, yeah, almost 30. Yeah, it's just crazy. But they're whole, like, and, and that's something that I think that people tend to forget. Like, I would say regular people, because I'm pretty sure the army knows. But um, they have made war their business for almost 30 years. Yeah. They only know how to do one thing, war, right? And it's not regular conventional war. It's guerrilla warfare and fear tactics and like manipulation of that, that sort. So obviously like they had to change a lot of things, right? Like 
if, if you remember the back in the day Taliban that we saw on the news, decapitating people and stuff and like doing very crazy stuff. And these new Taliban that comes into the news and talks to women and says that they're going to defend their rights and they says that they're allowing them to go to school. And I heard one declaration that I was like, oh no, he's lying. He, um, there was this guy, I don't remember his name. He said something like, we are going to protect all the rights of women that God has given them. Yeah. And I'm like, you keep studying rights, but I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> um, yeah, like... It's quite interesting to see that evolution, right? Of we don't care what you think of us. Like we're going to kill you because we see you as a problem, as an issue, like as an infidel. To a we're here to stay, so we're kind of friendly and we understand a lot of the concepts that are proper to the ideology of the West. You know, like because again, yeah, yeah. let us be real. Like human rights, it's a Western, it's a Western idea, and. Um, is a Western idea that has become or has attempted to, has, yeah, has tried to become law throughout the world. But honestly, like Middle East is still in works. Uh, even in South America, it's just still developing. Um, in Asia, it's still developing. In parts of, of Europe, it's still developing. Human rights are a good idea, but not per se something that everybody will sign themselves too. Now, obviously the Taliban knows that this human, this human right talk is very important, right? And that, that shows us also a level of sophistication. And I'm, and I'm not in any way saying that they're correct or good or anything. I'm just saying that they're evolving. They're becoming something yeah. else. And I would even say like something a lot more dangerous because if they manage to this um, dissimulate is, is that correct? Is that well said? Um, to appear a lot more civilized and governments start buying it, then we're in, we're in really big problems because they're not civilized. Like this is not, we're not talking to civilized, we're not talking to regular politicians, right? Every single <laughs> member of that, of that picture and every single member of, of the Taliban has killed people, right? And have seen crazy stuff, right? In their yeah. lives. So, so yeah, like this is not regular people. This is just a, a bunch of murder, murderers, assassins, and like terrorists per se, right? So, so it's quite interesting to see that. Uh, it's quite interesting that they're using Twitter and everything, right? Uh, yeah. I saw, a, I saw a post. I think was that says something like, "Members of the Taliban have Twitter, and Donald Trump doesn't." Right? Like, just think about <laughs> yeah, that. I know. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, obviously they become more aware of um, the media and um, public awareness and uh, media relations um, because, yeah, um, it's important that they at least initially appear like they are speaking to Western sensibilities. Um, yeah. You know, once once the media leaves, once the cameras um, get turned off, then we can expect them to go back to their to their traditional ways um as they are already doing it's going to be interesting to see how um they move forward like um not just domestically but with their neighbors um oh yes, yes because yes, you know on the one hand they have uh pakistan and russia and china like nearby and um they have Iran on the other side as well. So it's going to be interesting how they are able to navigate through the whole um, geopolitical stage in the region. Yeah. No, that's precisely what I'm saying with this evolution that they're, that they're yeah, going yeah. through. Because now yeah, we don't, we don't, I think it's going to be very interesting to see the following years, like you said. Yeah. And really pay attention to their international moves. Yeah, because the last thing they want is to become isolated because, you know, even North Korea has China. Um, and that's another very interesting point. Now, what kind of a school do they belong to now? A school of thought, I mean, right? Um, because one could say, well, it's very simplistic. We just take power, right? But yeah. They already do. They already did so, and 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 they already governed, right? Like they did govern for a time. Now they lost that, and they they gain it back. 
And the worst thing about that is that this is not a story of, well, they're going, to, this is, this is not a, the first time that they're going to do it. So they're just going to mess up and everybody's going to go against them. No, this is the second time. So this means that they have learned from mistakes. And one of them, like we're saying, just using social media and speaking the Western language. And another one will be, how do they see their surroundings? Do they see possible allies somewhere? And definitely they saw an ally in China who is very interested oh, yeah. on uh, trade. Yeah. On trading. Yeah. Yeah. And could you imagine what the Taliban will do with the amount of money that China could actually flood into Afghanistan oh, yeah. because of pressure metals? That will be very interesting. Like I, I have heard a lot of people saying that perhaps the Taliban could become an next Iran, meaning like, a certain level of sophistication, yeah, right? Because yeah. Iran and the Taliban are like completely different right now in the sense that the Taliban in Afghanistan per se has just undergone a power struggle that have ended in the Taliban gaining all power. Now, like I said, the next following years will tell us if they will evolve into something a lot more dangerous, more sophisticated, right? Um, yeah, what do you think about that? That possibility. Where do where do you think they're going to go after, or like they may actually try to do? Yeah, no, I, I think um, they will become very dependent on China. Afghanistan has a lot of um, natural resources in minerals and um, opium and stuff like that. And China right now, uh, their approach is to basically buy up alliances and. Um, goodwill. What they're doing, like in other countries, is basically they're building roads, they're building factories, um, shipping yards, uh, trading infrastructure that China eventually will get to use. Um, so, so, something very important here is because here is this: uh, what are they going to do with this infrastructure? Right? Like, obviously, they're going to grow. Obviously, they're going to develop a more serious and more threatening like force, right? Uh, that's something that we cannot in any way forget about, right? Yeah. The, the fact that whatever money that goes in will definitely go into arms and go into arming themselves because now they know they that's another very important thing. They learn from watching the Americans on how they fight. Because if, if they haven't, if they hadn't learned anything, they will have survived so long. So, so they learn, they, they have, they, that's perhaps my biggest worry about what's going on in Afghanistan right now. The influence that, that is going to have in Iran, it's neighbors, right? The, the influences that are going to have in Pakistan. Uh, how are these nations going to receive them, right? Um, the fact that the states, are removing themselves from a region where they really lack a lot of influence and leaving that influence now, internationally speaking, to other countries that would honestly not care about the, the arms development of the nation of the nations that are in this region. Meaning, they would just give them whatever they want as long as they cooperate with them, right? Like China, for example, China will just flood them with money and technology and whatever, and help them advance as long as they get the benefit that they are expecting. And, and that is very interesting. Yeah. And, um, because, yeah, like, do, do you know of any strongholds left of the United States in this area? Um, no. Um, yeah, I don't really know of any, but I'm not very familiar with um, U.S. operations in Pakistan to know if, to know what, if they have anything left over there mm -hmm. and now let me bring you back home um what do you think it's what have you heard about how the states are taking this all of this right like, how are they reacting to it there's um basically two positions right now um you know there's the more mainstream more elite uh media type um, position that it's basically saying this is humiliating and um, you know the U.S. has betrayed 
the Afghani people, you know, all these women and girls, you know, they're going to be um, enslaved and raped. The U.S. is leaving them um, to be victims of the Taliban. And all the death that's going on right now is it's um, falls on the U.S. and on the Biden administration. It's like, you know, this is a the withdrawal, basically, it was a bad thing. On the other hand, you have people who celeb- are celebrating the withdrawal. Um, they said 20 years was long enough, more than, long, more than enough time. Some are saying the U.S. should have never gone. It was, it's a good thing that Biden um, withdrew the troops, um, even if the Taliban now has control. Um so yeah, um, there's it's basically those two positions, and I'm more sympathetic to the latter one. Um, uh, I think um, the U.S. You know, at, like I think what we're seeing right now it's the result of the U.S. American failures, and staying there any longer would just add to those failures. They would not. Um, it would not fix anything. Um, you, they would just be prolonging um, what what's inevitable. Um, so I think um, I think Biden did something that had to be done. Yeah, like it, it's understandable that they had to leave eventually, or like sooner or later they will have to leave. Like the Americans yeah. couldn't stay there forever, especially when the rest of the world is heating up and like there's a lot more conflicts brewing and like there's other things to do, right? Like there's other places where the troops may be needed. Now, even though that is a reality, the fact that they went in, put them in a situation where they will eventually lose, right? Um, Mostly because, and that's something that I think the States is learning already. Like, I think that's something they thought about a lot after Vietnam, but now I think they're going to be reflecting on it again. American systems do not necessarily work in everywhere around the world. The way they do things, the way they think, the way they operate is not something that could translate into reality easily. So obviously we can see that in Afghanistan, right? Like the whole system that they developed fell in a week, didn't it? Couple of yeah. days actually. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I think I on I think on yeah. Friday the Taliban was taking um, Kandahar, and on Monday they were taking Kabul. Um, so yeah, um, in pretty much one weekend, um, the entire country collapsed. <laughs> pretty much, and it's quite interesting because. I don't know how much they are saying the truth on the fact that they thought they, the government would last longer. Um, I'm sure they knew the government, right? I'm sure they knew the character of these people. And See, that's the thing, though. Um, that's that's what I was saying before. Like, yeah. either they're incompetent and they didn't know, or they were lying. I don't see any other option. Um, now, I don't think they were incompetent. Perhaps some people, they try to um, give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think what was really happening is the, you know, the corruption was reaching the highest levels and all the information that we were getting, like, um, you know, I'm sure even Biden, you know, when he said that Kabul would not fall, I'm sure he was getting, no, they were lying to him, bad information. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to pretend that I'm some master strategist and I could have told you exactly what the U.S. should have done because I don't know what the fuck they did. But I do know that these were the supposed experts and they've been managing the situation for 20 years. Um, now we're seeing all that fail, you know, so it's... On In them. a week. Yeah, it's it's on them. And, you know, either they're not experts, they're incompetent, or they are experts and they were lying. What's really sad about the whole thing is that 
no, there's not going to be any accountability. Um, yeah. The American people, they might get angry. They might be upset. Um, but they're not gonna get. They're not gonna do anything. All the people that were have been involved over the last twenty years, you know, they'll continue with their careers. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the, like it, you can't really do anything about it um, other than just give an opinion that is somewhat informed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the sweet things about the whole situation, which is. Um, Nobody's going to take responsibility of the huge messed up situation that just happened. Yeah. And it's going to keep going on and developing because the states are not going to go back to Afghanistan anytime soon. That will be weird, right? Like that will be like unexpected. Well, I have, a, I gonna, have a, I have a theory about that. What about, okay. What can you sell us? We've been talking about the, the failure of the Afghanistan army. Well, just in the last two days, um, there's been a resistance force against the Taliban. Um, uh, So, and they've been fighting back. They've taken back some territory. Um, So it looks like they have um, an opportunity to at least make some gains on the Taliban. Um, You know, and what this is going to result is in a civil war. Um, You know, you asked before, what what was next for uh, Afghanistan, and it's going to be a civil war, very similar to what is happening in Syria, um, and like we're seeing in Syria, and like the U.S. has a long history of doing, they'll pick these groups to support. Um, so you can expect. I think what will happen is the U.S. will start funding resistance groups. Um, I initially probably just monetary funding, but then supplying weapons. And then, you know, we might see contractors or we might see um, special forces, you know, that are just doing advisory roles. But that's how it starts, right? Um, You know, they send a few people to give advice and then they give security contractors and then, you know, a few troops here and there, um, you know, and before you know it, um, you have a force, a ground force again. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two, we're seeing um, reports of um, teams of uh, at least contractors um, in Afghanistan again. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking that they were just going to give it a couple of years. Um, we don't know what, I don't know what a, a couple of years been really. Uh, but yeah, they're just going to take their distance, wait for the things to get a lot more profitable and try it again, right? Uh, try it again yeah. in some other way. Um, you said it right. Like, they will always be involved. Like They will not just simply be like, well, that's it goodbye, and uh, we don't care anymore. No, they would always care. But at the same time, I'm quite fascinated by the fact that they pretty much are just going to try to throw it under the rock for quite some time and try to bring the attention of people to something else. And that attention will go to at least, that's what I think, China and possible different outbreaks, um, the thing with the COVID. Yeah. Similar things like that, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to try to just refocus people on other issues. Because, again, like, who cared about Afghanistan when COVID started? Nobody, right? Yeah. And now we all care. COVID just is moving away. But once something else appears, people's attention are going to shift again, right? So it's quite yeah. interesting to see what's coming next. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for for those of you listening um, to us, I think a wise advice will be to not just ignore what's going on with Afghanistan right now, and obviously not invest yourself completely in this and be like the main focus of your interest in regards to the news and like international events. But always try to keep an eye on that because the de- those developments will eventually create shockwaves that will cause something different 
or shape something else into a, a different, like a perhaps more dangerous situation, right? Especially for the Middle East. Now, we have been going to Afghanistan together as, and I mean, as the West since before I actually was born, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Cold, I'm speaking like Cold War. So in simple terms, Afghanistan is located in a region that it's important. It may not seem important because of everything that we all see in the news, <laughs> that it's just like a bunch of desert and a bunch of houses, but it is important. It's geographically relevant, all these areas. So it's going to be interesting in the following years to see what's happened and what's going to develop there. Uh, even in the, in the following months, right? Um, if, the, if the Taliban continues in this route of trying to appeal to the West, they're going to have to make some changes, right? And those changes are going to tell us a lot about how the Taliban is going to conduct themselves. If they completely forget about the West and they just try to focus again on their people, well, that could also be a very interesting outcome, right? Like, and, a, and a very revealing one too, because it will tell, tell us a lot about their true intentions, which tend to be, at least for what we know, very dangerous and very bad for those that are governed by them. Well, you know what? It's going to be interesting to see what happens on September 11th. um, Oh, yeah. Because it'll be the 20th anniversary of uh, 9-11. I think if we we can look at the reaction to see what um, what they're really about, um, you know, I'm not convinced that they've changed. but yeah, um, I think if they are if they celebrated as an anniversary, um, then it'll be very revealing. Yeah, it's going to be like like I said, the following years are going to be just very very relevant. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think this is a good point to um, sort of land a little bit, mostly because we cover almost an hour of Afghanistan, right? If I am correct. Yeah. And we went through a lot of things. So, yeah, that's a little bit to talk about. Let's see if the next week something really relevant happened. Like, um, obviously, every week something relevant happens. But, I mean, to the degree of the Taliban taking over Afghanistan in a week. Right? So, um, yeah, let's see what happens next. 